Good evening, it is 5pm and you're listening to Today in YGK on CFRC 11.9 FM. Brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. Christina Laurie, Diana Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Lauren Tucker, Mary McKetty, and Jesse Bell. I'm Christina Laurie and here are your local news headlines. Last weekend, MPP for Kingston and the Islands Ted Shu announced the launch of his campaign for leader of the Ontario Liberal Party. I sat down with MPP Shu last week to discuss the beginnings of his campaign and his vision for Ontario. Here's just a bit of what he had to say about the launch and the response so far. You just had your campaign launch event last weekend. Yes. I wanted to ask how that was and how the response has been so far. Uh, it was good. We had about 250 people there. And uh, we had a good time. We put out some, uh, we took a video of this speech, which outlines how I'm approaching this uh, leadership race and what I'm proposing to do and what I'm offering. Uh, and the response is good. We've got some earned media and uh, the, uh, a lot of people are jumping in now to help out and Mm-hmm. donate and volunteer so it's uh, the campaign is is getting off the ground of course you've accumulated lots of experience representing Kingston for so long and you've also been traveling across Ontario talking to folks sort of you know yes. gathering what those issues and concerns are getting a broader view but why is this your year for leadership well I'm offering a couple of things one is uh, connecting with voters so mm-hmm. I've had success in Kingston winning elections when the Liberal Party uh, that I was running with uh, when the Liberal Party was doing very badly. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to do that because I've been able to connect with a lot of different voters. The sort of trust that builds up once you get that connection. And I've able, been able to do that and win elections even though the Liberal Party's doing badly. And I think I can do that across the province. So I'm offering an authentic connection to voters, which has been tested in tough elections. That's what I'm offering mm-hmm. to the Ontario Liberal Party for leadership. The second thing uh, concerns my vision for the province, and I think that Doug Ford's Ontario is not competitive on the world stage. We, we're not marshalling all the resources that we could to, to deal with the problems that we have. Mm-hmm. And so what I would like to see is an Ontario that, that's competitive, caring, and fair. Having a strong economy will support a society that's caring and fair because it'll provide the, the resources to be able to, you know, if you want to have people caring for other people, then uh, you have to make sure that food and housing and all the education, all of these things are done, are provided in a very productive way so that you free up human resources to care for others and to make sure that our society is a fair one. Uh, so those are the two basic things. Authentic connection to voters and a vision for Ontario that's about a, care, a competitive, caring and fair Ontario. Once again, that was MPP Ted Shu. To hear my full conversation with MPP Shu, be sure to tune in tomorrow, Tuesday at 5pm for Kingston Currents. Or check out Kingston Currents at podcast.cfrc.ca for tomorrow's episode. Next up is our Arts Desk with Lauren Tucker. Thanks, Christina. Here's your local arts news for today. The Art of Community Tet Tuesday exhibition will be open from June 6th to 11th at the Tet Center for Creativity and Learning. 
This exhibition is a curated collection of works from artists who participated in the Tet Tuesday program throughout the year, and showcases many mediums and styles of pieces from local artists. CFRC sat down with the co-curators of the exhibition, Alice Milo and Sasha Jimenez-French, for a look at this upcoming event. Yeah, it's, the whole project is really community-based. Um, like Alice said, we're a free art-making space at the Tet. Um, so whether you're super artistically inclined or exploring something new, it's great. And then the exhibition kind of unfolds from there. Um, it's sponsored by the Tet, they host us in the space, and everyone submits work that they have created, not necessarily during this Tet Tuesday time, but it's more to foster um, a place for people who are participating in Tet Tuesday and give them somewhere to show for free to show in a, in a uh, you know, in a professional scaled show. So now Alice and I are working on, we've curated the submissions and we'll be hanging all the work this week. And then the show will open on Tuesday. Yeah, this year we have a great variety of different mediums. So we have um, oil paintings, acrylics, ink. We have sketches, which is fantastic. We also have people who are jewelry, um, bead makers, um, yeah, it's just a really great variety of different mediums and art that you can expect in this community exhibition. You can tune in to this past Friday's episode of the Kingston Curator on our program archives or our podcast feed to catch the full interview. An opening reception for this exhibition will be hosted on June 6th from 6.30 to 8.30, to which all are welcome, and you can continue to visit for free June 7th to 11th from 9.30 to 5 p.m. daily. For more information, check out tetcenter.org events. In local theater news, you can look out for two new productions opening this week in Kingston. Over the River and Through the Woods, a comedy by Joe DiPietro and directed by Michelle McNichol, opens at Domino Theater on June 8th, running through the 24th. Tickets are $20 for adults and $10 for children and students, plus a handling fee, and are available through the Grand Theater box office. For more information, visit dominotheater.com. And at Bottle Tree Productions, A Stitch, written and directed by Eric Rutherford, will be running from June 8th to 25th at the Bottle Tree Studio. This production features music from local musician Cacao, and tickets are just under $25 for general admission. You can visit BottleTreeInc.com for more information about this upcoming show. Also at Bottle Tree Productions, auditions are now open for the upcoming 2023 Fringe Festival production, Shirley Sherlock. The production is looking for actors who can carry a tune for a lighthearted murder mystery spoof at the Baby Grand. To find out more and submit your video audition by June 10th, visit BottleTreeInc.com audition notices. The Festival of Live Digital Art will be hitting Kingston this week, running from June 7th to 10th. The focus of this year's festival is artists with disabilities and the importance of inclusivity, and features dance performances, film screenings, performance art, and a free family silent disco event on June 10th, 2023, with live ASL interpretation. Tickets for other single events are pay what you wish, starting at $10 to $20, and full festival passes are $100. Tickets and passes, as well as a full events calendar and more information on accessibility and accommodations are available at folda.ca. That does it for us on the Arts Desk today. Hi, my name is Rue. I do the show Yellow Brick Road on CFRC on Sunday nights at 8pm. And this week, the Astros are my pick for artists to watch. 
I spoke to Ben and Andy from the Astros ahead of their Spring Reverb show on Friday at the Ale House, and they told me about what to expect from an Astros live show, how they've grown as a band since starting in 2018, and about their second album, Sci-Fi Radio, that came out in November 2022. They are playing two more shows in Kingston this summer, at the Toucan on the 16th of June and the Mansion on the 5th of August. Here's a clip from the interview which you can listen back to in full on my show Yellow Bridge Road and a live session that the Astros recorded right here at CFRC of their song I Think You Know. The second album was just narrowing it down to like, okay, we really love and are influenced by these really nice, sweet, poppy, lush indie songs. You, you finish listening to it and you've had fun. But then at the same time, we want to go nuts and crowd surf people across the place. So we make heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we love both. And while we're talking about the second album, I have to ask about the costumes. <laughs> yeah. Ben was like, we should do jumpsuits and color them. They just turned out really well, or they turned out better than we expected them to. Did you, there's no rhyme or reason for it. I think it's just one of those stupid ideas where like, let's try it. Let's invest the money to do this stupid idea. And then yeah, the pictures were cool. We're like, that's going to be the look, I guess. It was 2018, and we were like, I was probably 16 or 17. and I remember yeah. right before we went on stage saying to each other, okay, we got to go nuts. Now, four years later, we're on the verge of causing each other permanent irreparable damage uh, by charging into each other head first. Yeah. My, my guitar has so many marks and dents on it from smashing into Andy. I've almost collapsed Tim's kick drum at some point by standing on it. So we got to just take it even further. At the grad club, we didn't expect people were ready to mosh. People were, were going, which we didn't expect. Usually we have to ease people into it. But that just gets us going even more when people are so energetic. So Whatever you're willing to bring, we will happily give back. Exactly. We did a, like a show back at the mansion. We're doing one of those again in August, like August 5th, free show. And we're playing the Toucan on June 16th. Yep.
My name is Rue, I host Yellow Brick Road, and those were the Astros, my pick for artists to watch for this week. Listen back next week for more exciting artists from right here in the local scene. This is Jesse Bell on the CFRC Sports Desk, and this is your sports report for Monday, June 5th, 2023. Game 2 of the NHL Stanley Cup Finals will be played tonight between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. Vegas currently leads the series one game to zero, following a 6-2 victory in Vegas over the weekend. Game two of the NBA Finals was played on Sunday night between the Miami Heat and the Denver Nuggets. Despite the best efforts of Denver's star player Nikola Jokic, who put up 41 points, it would be the Miami Heat who won game two of the series to even up the NBA Finals at one game In local sports news, it was a very busy weekend for football here in the city of Kingston. The Kingston Grenadiers, playing in their 20th season, hosted the Cumberland Panthers at Richardson Stadium on Saturday afternoon. The U16 team would fall to the Panthers by a score of 44-0, but the U18 team would defeat Cumberland in overtime by a score of 14-11. Both Grenadiers teams will find themselves on the road for the next three weeks, with their next home game coming Saturday, July 1st, at Richardson Stadium. On the topic of Richardson Stadium, on Sunday night it played host to the first ever Golden Lights 7-on-7 football tournament. Golden Lights was a showcase for some of Ontario's finest offensive and defensive position skill players. There were multiple Queens players present on the sidelines serving as volunteer coaches for this event. It was fantastic to see members of the Queens Gales football team giving back to the Ontario football community. Queens season will kick off on Saturday, August 26th at home against the Wilfrid Laurier Golden Hawks. That is it for your sports report for Monday, June 5th. This is Jesse Bell signing off. I hope the rest of your day is the best of your day. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Chancellor Miracle, and this is CFRC 101.9 FM's Community Update. Roots and Wings is a grassroots community group aimed at black, indigenous, girls, trans, two-spirit, and gender non-conforming youth of color aged between 8 and 14. Youth have the opportunity to make friends and build community through fun, engaging programming centered around social justice topics. Follow Roots and Wings on Instagram and Facebook for more information. Queer and trans co-working, as well as office hours with Oprah, Kingston, snacks, tea, radical coloring books, previews of their forthcoming People's History Project coloring book, and stickers will be offered by AKA Autonomous Social Center on Queen Street. Regular office hours are held Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 to 5 p.m. And queer and trans co-working will be held Wednesdays from 1 to 5 p.m. Care Not Cops, also known as No Cops on Campus, is hosting a strategy meeting at AKA Autonomous Social Center on Queen Street, June 7th. The meeting will be from 5.30 to 7 p.m. to work on writing their mandate as well as planning future events. The meeting is open to Queens and non-Queens community members. 
June is National Indigenous History Month in Canada and also marks the return of the Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Market in Kingston, running weekly from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. until September 24th in Springer Market Square. The market is the only of its kind in Ontario. Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Market includes 14 Indigenous artisan and food vendors, primarily from the southeastern Ontario region. WC Creatives, Caduce First Foods, Alyssa Barty Photography, Dream Creations, So Creative by Jen, Clinton Maple Beadwork, Indigenous Revelations, L&B Native Crafts, Four Crazy Crows, Stonecrop Farm, Teresa Brandt Studio, Miguan's Creations, Niche Beach Designs, and Turtle Island Snacks and Fine Foods. The market also features live performances each week from noon till 1 p.m. The Cataraqui Indigenous Art and Food Market is coordinated by the Riel Cultural Consulting with support from Tourism Kingston and the City of Kingston. The program is funded in part by the City of Kingston in support of the creative industry strategy that positions Kingston as a destination of choice for creative industry producers and consumers. And that's all for now. Over to Christina Laurie with your campus news. Thank you, Chancellor. This is Christina Laurie coming in with your campus news. Queens ranks first in Canada in third worldwide in 2023 Times Higher Education Impact Rankings. The TAG Impact Rankings were announced and Queens University is ranked first in Canada and third worldwide out of over 1,700 participating institutions in its global ranking of universities that are advancing the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals in 2015 to guide global action to end poverty, protect the planet, and ensure shared peace and prosperity for all people by 2030. THE Impact Rankings assessed Queens as first in the world for zero hunger, second in the world and first in Canada for peace, justice, and strong institutions, and seventh in the world and third in Canada for sustainable cities and communities. Here's what Queens University's principal, Patrick Dean, had to say about the accomplishment. Okay, so just to start us off, Queens is the only Canadian university to achieve three top 10 placements since the rankings began in 2019, and you've been the principal since the very start of this. How does this accomplishment feel as someone who's been working towards these goals since the very beginning of these rankings? Well, I'm really pleased about it, obviously, and very, really proud of, of the institution. I think, I, well, I've not, you know, when I came to, to Queen's, there had been one year of the impact rankings. Uh, the first year had been concluded. So when I arrived here, uh, it seemed to me obvious that I'd had some experience of them at my previous institution. So it seemed obvious that we 
we should do it, you know, aware of the strengths of Queen's, the talent here. And also, you know, I had the, the sense that we were, in fact, a major contributor to uh, the, you know, the global cause on each of these categories. But um, thought it would be a really important thing to, to participate in the rankings and see how we stacked up. So that was the, that was the thinking behind it. And I, I do remember saying to people, and we all agreed, that it was going through the process that mattered. And um, we would learn things about ourselves as an institution in relation to some of these big global challenges. And we didn't think, well, you know, did we expect to do well in the rankings that first year? Uh, uh, not really, I don't think. So we were delighted when we did well uh, in, in that first year of participation. And then that we have managed to hold our position and now even, I think, dramatically increase it uh, up to third position with an increased number of universities. That feels really, really gratifying. And I, I have to say the team of people in the university, not only who work on the issues that are documented in the rankings, but the team that puts together the submission have done an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, so it's, you know, from every point of view, uh, a great cause for pride. Absolutely. And as you were just saying, it's not like this is some coincidence. This was a learning opportunity that Queen's took on and it took concentrated efforts in the right direction to be where we are now. Uh, so how have the impact rankings from the start throughout the years provided direction for Queen's? Well, it's interesting. Um, one thing the, the impact rankings have done from our very first uh, finish at fifth place is that they've dramatically raised the international profile of the university and that has opened up more opportunities for international collaboration, whether it's at the research level or whether it's in terms of student exchanges and, and that sort of thing. So it's it has been uh, really positive for the institution from that point of view. From the point of view of what we've learned about ourselves, um, you'll know that each time we've submitted, we've submitted on each of the 17 goals, even though you're on, you only have to submit on three uh, and then you're always judged on goal 17. We've always thought, well, we can do a more comprehensive assessment of where we are if we submit, submit on all of them. And so you can see that in some areas, um, such as peace, justice, and uh, good government. Uh, we've done really well, or this year, placing first in the world uh, in uh, no hunger. Um, we can see where we've already got strength, but then by the same token, you can look at our rankings on, uh, let's say, the remaining you know, 14 or 15 goals, and you can get a sense of how we stack up against other institutions worldwide. And so, if it accords with our strategy, if we realize we do have the strength, we might think about, you know, concentrating our efforts in some of those other areas in order. It's not really so much to strengthen our, our finishing in the rankings, it's to improve the level of the contribution we make to the world. So, you know, you learn, you learn where your strengths are and where you're not so strong. It doesn't, you don't have to be strong in every area. I think that's the beauty of these rankings. They are really interested in your kind of three, three or four areas of greatest strength. Sounds good, definitely. And before we wrap up, do you have any other words to say to Queen's students and all those who worked hard this year to make these achievements possible? <laughs> well, I hope everybody's really proud of, of, of this. I mean, I think if you, you know, there, there are lots of people who are skeptical of rankings. What is particularly uh, appealing about this set of rankings is, as as the Times Higher people themselves say, uh, it allows universities all over the world in different circumstances to shine. So it doesn't necessarily favor 
the you know the wealthy institutions of uh, North America say it, it 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 is a measure of individual institutions capacity within their own terms of reference to have a, uh, a global impact and to do well in a set of rankings like that is I think real cause for pride um, so we should celebrate it and we should really acknowledge our colleagues whether they're faculty or students or staff who contribute to this um, uh, but keep our minds on the real goal of it all which is make a difference in the planet. That's uh, really the, uh, the force of the whole exercise. So the rankings are an incidental measure of how much progress we're making in that regard. Once again, that was Principal and Vice Chancellor Patrick Dean of Queen's University. That's all for your campus news this week. And next up is Dinah with weather and traffic. Thanks so much. And now it's time for the CFRC weather report. Tonight, we're expecting partly cloudy skies with a 40% chance of showers this evening and after midnight with a risk of thunderstorm clearing overnight with winds north at 30 kilometers an hour gusting to 50, low of 15. On Tuesday, the area is expected to see widespread smoke from Alberta and Saskatchewan wildfires. Winds north at 30 kilometers an hour gusting to 50 with a high of 22. And on Tuesday night, we'll have clear skies and a low of 10. The outlook for Wednesday is increasing cloudiness with a high of 20 degrees and Wednesday night cloudy with a low plus 10. And now it's time for the City of Kingston traffic report. Motorists, cyclists and pedestrians can anticipate road closures on Alfred Street from Brock to Johnson, Dunkirk Avenue from Alfred to Fergus, Gore Street from Ontario to King, Lower Brewers, Swing Bridge, King Street from the Tragically Hip Way to Place Arms. Sydenham Street from Queen to Princess, University Avenue from Union to Earl, and Wright Crescent, the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace. The School Streets Initiative is still in effect on McDonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham from Ordnance to Colburn, 8.40 a.m. to 9.10 a.m. and 3.20 p.m. to 3.50 p.m. weekdays until June 29th. The Play Street Initiative on Thomas Street from County to Patrick is also in effect until the end of August from 3.30 to 5.30 on Mondays. And the parking disruption at the Chow Memorial parking lot is still in effect. There is available parking at the Hanson Memorial and Robert Bruce Memorial parking garages two blocks adjacent to the east. Also, the Centre 70 public EV charging stations will be unavailable until late October due to the seasonal relocation of sleeping cabins to the site. Other road delays we expect this week, Highway 15 from Gore to Rose Abbey, Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, Hughes Road from Highway 15 to the end, Jackson Mills from 1859 Jackson to Burr Brook, King Street from George to Lower University, Old Sand Hill Road and Boundary Road from Sand Hill to South Lake, Patterson Road from Battersea to Mount Chesney, Sand Hill Road from Boundary to 358 Sand Hill, Taylor Kid Boulevard from Collins Bay to 100 meters west of the Collins Creek Bridge, and Woodburn Road, Highway 15 to Joyceville. And finally, the Rideau Trail, Queen Mary 2 Parkway is still closed to replace the sanitary main, install shoring, and build a new gravel pathway. And now over to Mary McKetty with this week's events calendar.
Thanks so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. For your live music lineup this week, I'm featuring performances from Garrett Mason, Deborah Sherman, and Jennifer Brandt, as well as providing some details about YGK Craft Beer Fest. This Thursday, Juno Maple Blues Award winner Garrett Mason is live at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. The Nova Scotia native is a true bluesman at heart, here to pull at your heartstrings on his cross-country tour. You can purchase tickets in advance for $15 at hotelwolfisland.com events or at the door for $20. Don't forget to check Wolf Island Ferry Times at yferry.ca, and that's wiferry.ca. Next up on Friday, Deborah Sherman hosts an album release party with special guest Bathwash from 7 to 9 p.m. at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. Sherman is a well-established classical musician here in the city, joined by her daughter Jasmine, also known as folk pop artist Bathwash, to celebrate and play songs from their new albums. Tickets are available for $20 in advance at eventbrite.ca, and that's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E. Kids under 12 get in for free. Make sure to check Wolf Island Fairy Times at yferry.ca, and that's wiferry.ca, and get there early when doors open at 6.30 p.m. Coming up on Saturday, YGK Craft Beer Fest is back for the 2023 season from 12 to 8 p.m. at Fort Henry, located at 1 Fort Henry Drive. MCs Rowena Way and Tiffany Morgan lead you through a day of craft beer tasting, good food eating, and live performances from local favorites like the Codas. Ticket prices vary, so head over to forthenry.com event for more information. Happening on Sunday, Lodgepole Arts Alliance presents singer-songwriter Jennifer Brandt live from 3 to 5 p.m. for the Indigenous Artist Showcase at Hotel Wolf Island, located at 1237 County Road 96. Brandt is somewhat of many talents, not just as a musician, but also as an educator, artist, and farmer. She uses her work to connect to her culture, to people, and to the places around her. You can catch her show for free, but don't forget to check Wolf Island Fairy Times at yferry.ca, and that's wiferry.ca. For more information about her show, you can visit hotelwolfisland.com events. That's all for live music lineup this week, but I've still got another event lined up for your calendar. This Saturday, Princess Street Promenade takes over the town from 10am to 5pm, starting at Barry Street by Metro, all the way down to the Ontario Street waterfront. Come and join this all-ages festival for free samples, exclusive sales, live music, fun games, and for the chance to win contests and giveaways. Your friends at CFRC will also be boothing, so make sure to stop by and say hi. More information about Princess Street Promenade is available at downtownkingston.ca. Thank you for tuning in to CFRC's local news programming. To revisit episodes of Today in YGK and hear more from some of our guests, be sure to head over to our podcast network at podcast.cfrc.ca. Today in YGK is brought to you by the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada, the Local Journalism Initiative, Queen's University Career Services, and Approved Contractors. Visit approvedcontractors.ca today for more information on your asphalt paving needs. Be sure to stay tuned for more CFRC programming coming up next.